Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Thank you for listening today. I'm going to try to finish up uh, Luke chapter 9. and we've been, In this chapter, uh, it, it's all about trusting God and not trusting in ourselves. And, and Jesus has sent his disciples out into these villages, into a place that they're unfamiliar with, and he's sending them out among strangers, and he's telling them to preach the kingdom of God and to back up their message by working miracles and casting out demons. He's... Uh, uh, been around a crowd of people and the disciples come back to him and they're reporting everything that that God had done through them uh, as they were into these villages and they see thousands upon thousands of people who are hungry and and Jesus tells his disciples he says you feed them and they're like how are we going to feed all these people look at all these people and there's there's not enough food here to feed all these people and uh, and so Jesus was testing their faith really and seeing if they were going to trust in themselves or if they were going to trust in God and to provide. And so they failed the test, of course, just like we do on a daily basis. And, 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 and so Jesus takes the two fish and the five loaves of bread and he begins to break it and, and tells the disciples to, to pass it out to the people. And the fish and the bread just keep multiplying. And the whole point uh, in, in Luke chapter 9 is that Jesus, he's telling, he tells the disciples that, hey, I, I'm going to die. And you guys are going to be in charge. You, you, at some point, you're going to have to get it. And we know that doesn't happen until the Holy Spirit falls in, in Acts chapter 2. And they're filled with boldness. That's when they really get it. But Jesus is saying, guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to die. And, and you're going to be in charge. So you, you, you're going to have to learn to put your trust in God and it's the same thing that we have to do today. The thing is, they had God in the flesh walking right there with them, and they still struggled. And we don't have that luxury today. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. We don't have God standing before us. We don't have angels, you know, appearing to us. We don't have Jesus standing here in the flesh. To, to, to uh, you know, that's tangible. We, 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 we just have the Bible. We have God's Word. And so, and we talk about Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's crucial, crucial, crucial that we are in the Word of God so that uh, we can take the faith that God has given us, this measure of faith, and grow it. And, and, and on a daily basis that we are putting our trust, our faith in God and not of ourselves and that's when Jesus looked at the crowd and he says if you want to follow me you have to deny yourself you have to take up your cross and follow me it's all about doing God's will and not our will it's about giving God control and it's about us letting go of control which is a very difficult thing to do because a lot of times we like to give God control but when something goes wrong we want to take that control back because we want to fix it and God says, hey, I, I can fix this a lot better than you can. Trust me. And that, that's the dangers uh, that, that we face today. And so we're going to finish up here with Luke chapter 9. And, and in verses 28 through 36, 
Lou's going to get into uh, what we call the transfiguration, which was a really cool thing. Let me just read it real quick and we'll talk about it. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. So he takes three individuals with him, not the whole twelve, but three. Peter, John, and James. John and James are brothers, the sons of Zebedee. And he takes them up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. So he's just this brilliance, this bright uh, white. And suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. And they, they were glorious to see, Luke says. They were speaking about his exodus from this world. In other words, Jesus has already told his disciples, I'm going to die, I'm going to be leaving. right? And so now... He's up on the mountain, he's praying with Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah show up. And they're having a conversation with Jesus about him leaving this world, about what is about to take place, about him dying on the cross and being resurrected, and then ascending back up to the Father and sitting at the Father's right hand. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall, or in a tree, or whatever, a bird, whatever, and and just to be able to hear this conversation between Moses and, and Elijah and, 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 and Jesus. And here's Peter, James, and John. What an opportunity they had to, to experience this. But, but, but here, here's what happens with Peter, James, and John. This, this, Luke says this glorious thing to see, Jesus having this, he, he, he's, his clothes are turned to brilliance while his face is glowing, it's transformed, and he's talking with uh, uh, Elijah, and he's talking with Moses about what's about to take place. And get this, Peter, in verse 32, Peter and the others, Peter, James, and John, they fell asleep. They missed almost the whole Thing. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them and then a voice from the cloud said this is my son my chosen one listen to him when the voice finished jesus was standing there all alone and they didn't tell anybody <laughs> they didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen so jesus it, it, it what we call the transfiguration jesus only invited three of his disciples peter james and john two brothers and then peter all three fishermen one of the greatest events that has ever happened in the history of mankind, besides the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, you have the transfiguration. And these guys, they pretty much missed the whole thing. They got to see the very end. They missed it because they were sleeping. This would be a recurring theme because in the Garden of Gethsemane, what do we find the disciples doing? And it's the same three, by the way. You got... Uh, minus Judas, because Judas has gone off to, to, to betray Jesus. He's coming back with the militia. So you you got the other 11 disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John out a little further from the rest of the group, and he tells them, what, you, you, sit, you sit here and you watch and you pray with me while I'm going over here alone to pray. And what happens? 
He comes back to check on them. They're sleeping. He wakes them up, goes and prays again. He comes back. They're sleeping. Over and over again, these guys, they, 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 they keep falling asleep. Why? Because they're human. And, and they don't really understand what's going on. They don't get the brevity of it. They don't understand the magnitude of, of what is taking place, and especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and so they wake up at the very end, and they see Moses and Elijah walking away. Just like in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they're, they're sleeping, and Jesus goes back to them again on the third time and says, come on, the hour's come. And the next thing you know, Judas is betraying Jesus with a kiss, and Peter's out there with his, his dagger, his sword, and he's trying to cut off the head of Malchus, but he, he, Malchus ducks and he cuts his ear off, and Jesus has to put it back on. These guys, they, they, just, they just didn't understand the magnitude of what's going on because they, they just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. And, 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 and we're just as guilty as they are today. We don't un, really un, fully understand the magnitude of, of what God wants to do in our lives. And, and, and us giving us, and that's the whole, uh, in my opinion, that's the whole theme of Luke chapter 9 is us giving God control. These disciples giving God full control because he told them, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to be leaving it and you're going to be in control. Well, who's in control today? Because the, the, the disciples are no longer around. The apostles have, have come and they have gone. Well, he's left it in our hands. We are the church. Christ is living in us. The Holy Spirit is living in us. And it is up to us to share this message of hope to a lost and dying world and giving people the opportunity to relinquish control of their lives and letting God having control of their lives, just like he has of ours. And so they're sitting here. This is going on. This transfiguration, Jesus is having a conversation about his death and his, his resurrection with Moses and Elijah, and they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And, and, and they just about missed the whole thing. Um, now, uh, Moses, uh, when Moses and Elijah appear and they're having this conversation with Jesus, and they're talking about what's going to be coming soon, you know, talking about his death. Well, one of these guys knows what it's like to die. That would be Moses. But Elijah doesn't know about death because he did not die. He, he, if you go back and read about Elijah in, in 1 Kings, uh, Elijah was working these miracles, and one day God just, he just hopped in a chariot and rode a whirlwind on up to heaven. There's only two people in the Bible, because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it's appointed unto man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Every person, that's, including Jesus, that's ever walked on this face of this earth has died. They have faced death, except for two people, Elijah and Enoch, both from the Old Testament. And uh, so it's interesting to me that Moses has tasted death. He knows what death is about, but Elijah doesn't because he was alive when he was just caught up on that whirlwind and rode that chariot on up to heaven. But Moses, in this situation, with this transfiguration going on, Moses represents the law, because the law of God, because he wrote, he, he wrote the law of God, the first five books of the Old Testament. And Elijah represents the prophets, both the law and the prophets, of whom Jesus is far greater. Now, 
<coughs> excuse me. Can you imagine how awesome this would be to see? Jesus' face transformed and his clothes are just a glowing, just a very bright white. Luke even says, he says, they were glorious to see. And you hear you have Peter, James, and John. They almost missed the whole thing because they're sleeping. They're sleeping. I wonder how much stuff we we have missed because we're asleep. And I don't mean asleep physically. I mean asleep spiritually. Because God wants to do so many things in our lives. And God is doing things in other people's lives. But yet we're over here spiritually asleep. And we're about to miss the whole thing. And we need to wake up and, and, and get involved in what, what, what God is doing. That's what Peter, James, and John, they wake up and, and, and they about miss the whole thing. Pay, uh, 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 Elijah and Moses, they're, they're walking away. They're walking away. And, and, and just to try to catch a piece of the action... You know how it is when you, when you first wake up, and especially if you've been start off, you've been in a deep sleep, and all of a sudden you're just awoken by a sound or something that's going on, you, you're kind of groggy, you're kind of drunk, like, and and, and and that that's the way Peter was, and he didn't even realize what he was saying, but he just Luke says he just blurted out, "Hey, we can make we it's good for us to be here, Master. It's good for us to be here, Jesus. We can make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for a lot." He was making himself look like an idiot. But he wanted to, to, to be like, hey, we're not asleep. We know what's going on the whole time. We're pretending. Now, I, I know what's going on. But he made himself look like an idiot. Because he had no idea what he was saying. He had no idea what was going on. He, he was asleep. And he just happened to wake up there at the very end. And, and, and I mean, think about it. What, what does Moses and Elijah need a shelter for? What does Jesus need a shelter for and so they walk away and they disappear into this cloud and a voice comes out of the cloud and says and this is the second time that this has happened god says this is my son my chosen one listen to him and the last time this happened was at the baptism of jesus when john baptized jesus and they come up out of that water and and uh God's voice came down from heaven and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And, and before we go to break, I, want, I, I just have this thought. Well, I, I want to know, I, I, I want to know why did, did Peter, James, and John not tell anybody about what they saw? Is it because they slept through it and missed it? Are they too embarrassed because of their incapability to stay awake? You know, and we talk about there's, there's, there's questions we want to ask certain people when we get to heaven. We want, there's some things that, that the Bible talks about, but we just don't really have the answers to. And so we're going to ask the questions when we get to heaven. And this is one of the questions that I want to ask. You know, uh, what, 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 uh, why did you not tell anybody about what you, you saw at the transfiguration? Were you too embarrassed because you don't want to tell people that you fell asleep? When we come back from break, we're going to finish Luke chapter 9. We'll be right back. We all know technology is great when it's operating properly, but when it's not, it can be a huge headache. Well, I want to tell you about my friend Joshua. He is a tech guru, and he is here to help you with any problems that you are having with your computer or your phone. Joshua offers computer troubleshooting. He can get rid of those viruses that slow your computer down. He offers computer training. He offers iPhone and iPad tutoring. He has Wi-Fi support. He offers web hosting. 
Joshua can come over to your house or he can help you with your situation by phone. Check out his website at joshuastechservices.com or give him a call at 865-268-6698. So Jesus just had this amazing event take place in the transfiguration, right? He's, he's trying to explain to his disciples that, that, that they, they've got to trust him, that they've got to fully rely on God. And he's also told them that he's going to die, that he's, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be crucified, resurrected. And, and this is going to come up again. The, actually, it's going to come up the very next day. So they come down from the mountain after seeing the transfiguration, after getting them a good nap and missing it, and seeing the very end of it, right? They come down the mountain, and as soon as they come down the mountain, they're spotted by a crowd. And this crowd gathers around Jesus, and they have been looking for Jesus. And, and, and my question is, why are they looking for Jesus? Well, I believe it's because of selfish reasons. Because we have seen all throughout the book of Luke in the first eight uh, chapters that people have come to Jesus because they needed a healing or they wanted or they needed demons to be cast out. In other words, they were selfish. They were coming to Jesus for selfish reasons. You know, I haven't seen or read about very many people. Even when you when you read through all the all four gospels, we don't see very many people that come to Jesus just to hang out or to give him a break. You know, or just to get to know him. We, we, we always see people who are coming to Jesus with needs. They always come to Jesus wanting something from Jesus. And, and, and as soon as he comes down from this great experience, this transfiguration, and talking to Moses and Elijah about what's about to take place on the cross and, and being resurrected, as soon as he comes down off that mountain with Peter, James, and John, he, he, he's met by this crowd who is selfish, who has needs, who, who has wants, and they're wanting Jesus to take care of this and that. And, and there is this guy who has a son who is demon-possessed, and he even tells Jesus, he says, look, man, he said, I, I, I brought my son to your disciples, and they can't do anything about it. They, they couldn't cast out this demon. And, 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 and we know from Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, that Jesus said this demon only come, this kind of demon only comes out by prayer and by fasting, which evidently is something that the disciples lacked uh, because they couldn't do it. They could not get the job done. And so the man had to come to Jesus instead of his disciples because evidently they, they don't pray a whole lot and they didn't fast a whole lot. And, and they couldn't cast out the demon. And so the guy comes up to Jesus after he just had this mountaintop experience, if you will, this transfiguration, talking to Moses and Elijah. And he says, look, your disciples couldn't get this done. I, I need you to get this demon out of my kid. He, he's throwing my kid to the ground and making him have fits, and he's hurting my son. And Jesus says, well, and I think it's with a little bit of frustration, he says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? And then he said to the man, bring your son here. Why? And, 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 and so my question is, why is he frustrated? But if, if you think about it for a minute, he's dealing with people who are following him to get something from him. And this is going on all of the time. Some people are following him for entertainment because they've they, they seen the miracles 
and, and they want to see what he's going to do next. Some people are questioning his every move, like the religious leaders, and they're, they're watching him from a distance, and, and they question everything that he says, everything that he does, and they're dissecting every word that comes from his mouth, right? And, and he has given the power to uh, his disciples, his faithful followers, these 12 men, and they couldn't get the job done because their faith wavered from day to day. And in the previous podcast, we talked about James chapter 1. It says, if you ask anything from God and waver, if you ask anything from God in doubt, you're not going to get it. And we see that on a daily basis with these disciples, with these 12 men, they, they constantly put their trust back into themselves, back into the flesh, and they did not fully trust God. And that's what Jesus was trying to instill in them, that they have to trust God and not themselves. You know, who, how are you going to, what have you got to feed all these people, Philip? We can't feed all these people. And Jesus says, watch this, two fish and five loaves of bread, and he feeds over 5,000 people. You know, put your faith in God and not yourself. Well, Jesus is frustrated because people are just doubting him left and right. And you have God in the flesh doing all these miracles, doing all these great things, and the people, they, they don't get it. And his time is running out. He, he knows the cross is near. He knows his death is near. And that's why he's telling his disciples, I am about to die. This is going to happen. So we, we, you, know, you need to get this. And so Luke says, all gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power after Jesus had healed uh, the kid of the demon or cast the demon out. And while everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, now get this, here it is again, listen to me and remember what I say. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies, but they didn't know what he meant. His significance was hidden from them so they could not understand it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. So like when Jesus gave them the, 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 uh, uh, the, when he taught in parables, the disciples had no problems, no issues asking Jesus. He said, we don't understand this. Can you explain it to us? But here is the second time that Jesus says, I'm going to die. The Son of Man is going to die. And it, they didn't understand it. But instead of asking Jesus what he's talking about, they, they, they shifted to something else. They, 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 they didn't really care. And I'll tell you why they didn't really care. It's because um, immediately their focus goes back to what Jesus has tried to get them not to do, and that's to rely on flesh. And that's exactly where they go to. Jesus is sitting there telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be leaving here, and you're going to be taking charge. you got to learn to trust God. you got to learn to trust me. And, and, and he tells them again a second time, I'm going to die. But their concern goes immediately to the flesh, and they go right back to their selfish ways because they start talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Luke says it like this. His disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side, and he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Now think about that. There are three that get these special privileges, Peter, James, and John, and you've got these 12 dudes that have spent every day and every night together 
for quite some time. They've done miracles themselves. They've went into these villages and they've preached the kingdom of God and they have worked miracles. Three in particular have seen Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. These guys have been dead for hundreds of years. And what this shows us is that even though these guys walked with Jesus on a daily basis, they had been given power from God, but yet they still are flawed. They're still flawed people. Despite having this power of God, despite having Jesus walking with them on a daily basis, they still messed things up. They still would trust in themselves and instead of God. They just did, they didn't get it. Like I said, until Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit falls on them on the day of Pentecost. And it, we do the same thing today. We compete. It's what people do, especially if you play any kind of sport. We are competitive. These 12, pe these 12 men, they were competitive people. I mean, can't you just hear them naming all their accomplishments? You know, why well, I healed this person? I did this kind of I cast out this many demons. You know, what have you done? I got to see Elijah and Moses. Even though I'm not telling you that I was asleep and missed the whole thing, but I got to see them walk away and disappear into the cloud. Yeah, competitiveness. We see it with churches all the This church is competitive with this church. People inside this church are competitive with one another. How many people have you baptized? How many people have you shared the gospel with? How many people do you have in your home group or your small group? How big is your church? We just see all this competitiveness going on. And Jesus is saying, oh, you're thinking in the flesh. You need to be thinking spiritually because none of that matters. And Jesus says, hey, 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 if you want to be the greatest, then you have to be the least. And this idea goes totally against what we think or how we act even today because our, our goal is to climb the ladder of success. We, we, we want to impress people. We want to go out of our way to get people's attention and to, to get people's approval. We want people to notice us. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, then do everything that you're doing without anybody noticing it. Try, try, try doing this stuff and not win approval. Try not to get brownie points with God or with elders of your church or with the preacher at your church. Just do this stuff and keep your mouth shut because your reward will come from your Father. But if you are doing this stuff and you're announcing it to everybody just to get brownie points or to be competitive and to get everybody to notice you and to get everybody's approval, hey, you have your reward. That's what Jesus said in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. And so John, he's going to, like we do, like we do, have you noticed what so-and-so's done, Jesus? Have you, have you noticed what, what they're doing over there? You know, I know, I know, I know what I'm doing is wrong. But hey, hey, let me tell you about what what they're doing over here. That's exactly what goes on in this passage. John tries to deflect Jesus's attention from them onto some other people, and he says this. John says to Jesus, "Master, we saw somebody using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop. We told him to stop because he's he's not in our group. He's not a part of us." And Jesus said in verse 50, "Don't stop him. Anyone who is against who is not against you." It's for you. Okay, okay, Jesus. You know, we're to be the least, right? But we're going to show you how good we are by telling you about a guy that we stopped using. We said to stop using your name to cast out demons. 
Because he's not a one of us. We are your disciple. You handpicked us, and this guy is not a part of our group, which sounds real cliquish, right? We're not going to let this guy talk or, or preach in your name or cast out demons in your name because he is not one of your handpicked disciples. He's just out there using your name, and, and, and he's not one of us. So we told him to stop. We don't care, you know, Jesus, that you're about to die. We, we know that you've told us that twice in just a matter of, of a couple of days here, but we're worried about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And we're not going to allow this guy out there that's not a part of us, one of us, your hand-picked 12 disciples. You, he's not in our group, so we're not going to allow him to use your name. And Jesus says, guys, don't discourage anybody that's trying to do the will of God. He isn't against you. He's for you. This is all I'm going to say about this, but I, I, I belong to a certain flavor of a church that thinks they're the only ones going to heaven and they condemn everybody else to hell. And, and, and let me tell you, we're, we're 2,000 years removed from Jesus being on the earth and, 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 and the church starting in Acts chapter 2. And there's not one church, not one, that has everything right. It's got it all together. There is... We have no place to be condemning anybody that's trying to follow Christ. Now, if they're doing something that's, that's strictly uh, off basis with Scripture, then do like Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos and, and take them to the side and say, hey, there's a better way, and here's the right way, the correct way, and show them in Scripture uh, what Scripture says and do it in a loving way. But don't brow beat somebody over the head with the Bible and condemn them to hell when they're trying their best to follow Jesus. And I, I had a friend this week that, that this happened to. Uh, she was uh, walking to her car and she sees a gentleman that was putting away a buggy in a, a parking lot and she says, Merry Christmas, because Christmas is this weekend as I'm recording this. Uh, this is a Thursday, a couple of days before Christmas. But she tells this guy, she says, Merry Christmas. And then the guy just goes into her about it not being Jesus' birthday. And he starts slamming her with all these different scriptures. Just condemning her because she said Merry Christmas. And she tried to explain to him. She said, I know it's not Jesus' actual birthday, but it's a day that we celebrate as a people, as a nation, we have chosen to celebrate the, the birth of our Savior. And this guy is supposedly a Christian, but he is taking Scripture, he's taking the Bible and beating her up and condemning her and saying that she is not a believer, that she does not follow Christ because she just told him Merry Christmas. That's not the way to get anybody to heaven. That's not encouraging to anybody and matter of fact, she was so discouraged that she was trying to call people to talk about because this guy had her so fired up by condemning her because he was not being like Jesus, even though he was beating her up with scripture. He could quote the scriptures. He could quote the scriptures, but he was not being Jesus. He was not confronting her in a loving way way and he would just spout off these uh he would spout off like acts so and so he wouldn't even tell her the scripture and what the scriptures say and she would beg him what does that scripture say what are you trying to tell me 
and, and, and the guy would just say something different. He, he wouldn't even answer her questions. Never, ever discourage anybody that is trying to follow Jesus. And that's what Jesus told his disciples. Hey, don't stop that man from trying to cast out demons in my name just because he's not a part of our group. He's doing the right thing. He's trying to follow me. and He's trying to help somebody else in my name. So don't dare stop him. So why would we do that today? If, if, if somebody's got something off basis scripturally, you go to them in a loving way and you share it with them and, and, and pray that their eyes will be of understanding will be open. But don't discourage somebody from following Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? He says, if you, if you uh, uh, become a stumbling block to somebody and, and, and they quit following me, he said it would be better for you if you had a millstone tied around your neck and was thrown into the sea and drowned. Never discourage anybody from following Jesus. If they don't believe exactly like you do, then have a conversation with them. Open up your Bible with them and have a, a Bible study and, and talk about it. But don't beat somebody up that is trying their best to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, and to share Jesus. What about you today, friend? Are you sharing Jesus? Are you, are, this, whole, this whole theme in Luke chapter 9, in my opinion, is about trusting God. Do you trust God? And if you trust God, are you sharing God? Because that's how this whole chapter started, was Jesus giving the, the power and the authority to his disciples, these 12 men, to go into these villages and share and to tell people about the kingdom of God. That is our purpose. Our main purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we say we trust God and we serve God, we better be telling people about God. We better be sharing the message of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ with those who are lost without Jesus Christ and giving them this message of hope that they too can have salvation, that they too can have the hope that one day that when they take their last breath on this earth, that they'll take their first breath in eternity with God in heaven. Because if we die without Jesus Christ, then we will die separated eternally from God, never to have an opportunity again to get it right with God. If you need prayers of the Grinded Podcast, if we can encourage you in any kind of way, I pray that you would email us here at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com. And we will uh, pray with you. We will help you in any kind of way that we can that is possible uh, in our means to do so. Uh, but you have to let us know what we can help you with, what we can pray for you about. Thank you again for listening today. Thank you for sharing the Grinded Podcast with your friends and your family, your coworkers, anybody that you come in contact with. Because when you share the Grinded Podcast, you are sharing Jesus. And you are helping uh, get this message of Jesus Christ out to the lost and that God can produce fruit through you and through this podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. 
If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.